Okay, so we're heading into 3.1, Measures of Central Tendency. Um, when people think about measures of central tendency, they typically think of mean, median, and mode. And when we talk about mean, I'm talking about the arithmetic mean. Um, the arithmetic mean is a fancy word for average. Um, when you're adding up all the observations and dividing by however many there are. So that's something you've probably been doing since you were pretty little, finding a mean. Um, there are other types of means. There's something called a weighted mean. There's something called a geometric mean. There are other types of means, but we're just going to look at the arithmetic mean and the median and the mode. Okay, so we kind of gave the first one away. Um, the mean is an average, but what in the world is a median? Yes? The middle, good, and I'm going to add something to that. Just the middle of your data set, is that it? Oh, I heard it, yes. If it's in order, yeah, that's right. So when you think about median, think about the middle, that's good. It's the middle of ranked data, keyword ranked. So if you rank your data set from smallest to largest, uh, you can find the value that's in the middle. If you have an odd number of data, it's easy to find it. If you have an even number of data, you're going to have to take the two observations that are in the middle and average those. And we'll play around with all this in a moment. Okay? What's the mode? Yeah, it's the, it's, the, it's the observation that occurs the most. So it's the most frequently occurring observation. The observation that occurs the most. Okay, so what we're going to do, a uh, little bit more language here. Um, the Greek letters are going to start a flying. Uh, if, you <laughs> if you've started to read the book, you started to see things that look like Greek letters. Mu, sigma, right? So let's straighten out the worlds here. Here's the world of the population. Now remember, we started to talk about this a little bit last time. We said there may be a population parameter of interest. Say the population parameter is mu. Mu is a Greek letter. It looks like a cursive U, like that, pronounced mu. That's for your population mean. But usually, as a statistician, you cannot get to the entire population, so you gather a sample. So the point estimate, I'm going to give you a little bit of language here, the point estimate, an unbiased estimator for the population parameter mu, is x bar. So x bar is your sample mean. So that's your sample mean. So a lot of people say, okay, so when you see the Greek letters, you know you're dealing with population parameters. When you see the Roman letters, you know you're dealing with sample statistics. So there you're dealing with a sample statistic. Okay. Um, another example of that, let's try it again. Suppose your population parameter, oops, spelled that wrong. <laughs> Suppose your population parameter of interest is um, standard deviation. Standard deviation. Now at this point, we haven't really talked exactly what standard deviation is. You've probably heard it before. But standard deviation. Standard deviation, the symbol for that's going to be sigma. Looks like a little O with a squirrely gig on top of it, right? <laughs> sigma. Pronounced sigma. The Greek letter is sigma. The Roman letter, okay? So then you gather a sample, and you get a point estimate for the standard deviation. That's going to be little s. So that's your, that's your sample statistic, okay? Um, little s. So a lot of people say, all right, 
which one am I dealing with? So when you read a problem, a word problem, you have to know, you know, what is it that you're dealing with? Are you dealing with a population parameter? Are you dealing with a sample statistic? Are you dealing with sigma? Are you dealing with little s? Are you dealing with mu? Are you dealing with x bar? You know, you have to translate, basically. Um, what I will say is don't be afraid of all the Greek formulas and the, you know, the Greek letters. So let's go ahead and, and write a few things down here. Okay, so population mean. We're getting ready to start calculating. Population mean, mu, form, I'm giving you the formal notation, is equal to summation x divided by big N. Now I'm going to translate that. All that means, summation means add up. So you're adding up all your distinct observations, you're adding up all your observations, and dividing by however many there are. Most people would rather say that in words than in symbols. But mathematicians speak in symbols. That's what they do, right? X bar, sample mean, is summation X divided by little n. Little n, from now till the end of the term, will be the number of observations in your sample. Big n, from now till the end, will be the number of observations in your, in your population. Very good. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, so this is, so this, the first one's population mean, the next one is sample mean, the one, the one that we just did, x bar, okay? Now let's look at um, population variance. Actually, I'm going to dodge that. Well, I'll put it on. I'll put it on for now. We're, we're not actually going to calculate it, but I'll put the formula up and we'll use it later. Population um, variance. And by the way, the formula is going to seem a little intimidating and it won't make any kind of sense until we actually do it. Um, but Population variance is denoted, as we said earlier, um, sigma, but variance is sigma squared. Standard deviation is sigma, and variance is sigma squared. We'll talk about the relationship soon. But it's kind of like you have to hop on Route 30 to get from Lancaster to York. You have to hop on variance to get to standard deviation. You have to go through variance to get to standard deviation. You can't just arrive at standard deviation. You have to go through this thing called variance first. So variance, I will just copy it down. We'll worry about it later. Variance is equal to summation x minus mu paren whole thing squared divided by big N. I know that doesn't make any sense, but just copy it down. We'll, we'll translate it later. Um, sample variance we denoted little s squared is equal to summation paren x minus x bar whole thing squared divided by little n minus 1. Okay, so let's add some key words to our notes here. Remember this symbol here means sum. Remember mu is, the, is what? The population mean, right? So you're taking each observation minus the mean, squaring it, and then eventually summing up and divide by however many n you know is the number of observations. So n is, you could write that underneath if you want, number of observations. Okay. Um, and likewise, here you've got your summation. You've got sort of the same thing, summation, but you've got your sample mean, and you're squaring it. And notice you're dividing by n minus 1. There's a complicated explanation for why we do that, and there's an easy one. I like what your author gives you in the textbook. But we're not ready to go there yet. Sarah. All right, so you had a question was asked about the relationship between variance and standard deviation. 
So here's the relationship. Once you have variance, boom, you automatically have standard deviation because guess what? Sigma is standard deviation, and you know from algebra, how do you get from sigma squared to plain old sigma? The square root, right? Yeah. So the square root of sigma squared is equal to sigma. Therefore, therefore the square root of variance, the square root of variance, if you're a word person and not a symbol person, the square root of variance is equal to? Yeah, standard deed. So that's the relationship. So likewise here, the square root of S squared is equal to S. And so same thing. So the square root of variance is equal to standard deed. So once you have variance, boom, you automatically have standard deed. All right, so more vocabulary. Now let's look at the vocab for 3.2. Eventually we'll combo this all out, and eventually what we're going to do is take a data set and find everything. We're going to find the mean, the median, the mode, the standard deed, the interquartile range. We'll find everything. But we want to have the vocab under our belt first. So 3.2 is um, measures of dispersion. Dispersion means basically how much variability is there in your data. And I can actually get you to say this. Think about this. Just guess. You'll probably be right. What if every single one of you got the same test score on the first exam? Like, let's say you all got 90s. Well, well, what's 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 the <laughs> that's interesting. Probably not. But what's 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 the standard deviation? What would you guess? Zero. Yes, because if you all have the same test scores, what's the standard deviation? There, okay, that's right. So variability. So dispersion means variability. So I'll just write that under there. So if there's no variability, hey, standard deviation is going to be zero. But there always is variability. All right, so measures of dispersion. There are many, many, many measures of dispersion, but these are the ones that we're going to look at. Uh, the easiest one is range. Range is just your high minus your low. Um, variance, of course, we just talked about. Remember that variance, you could be dealing with population or you could be dealing with a sample. You, know, you just kind of have to remind yourself which formula you're using. Um, standard DEV. Standard deviation. Remember, we just said that that's just the root of variance. So once you have variance, you can easily find the standard deviation. Um, we will also look at IQR, which is interquartile range. So I want to have all the vocabulary before we actually start computing anything. So interquartile range is Q3 minus Q1. It basically means you take your third quartile minus your first quartile. And now at this point, we might be thinking, well, what's that? But that's OK. We can take our time with that. So range, variance, standard deviation, IQR. That tackles most of our measures of dispersion. OK, so now we're ready to actually start computing. And what we have here, I'm going to use this problem from your book on page 133, but m most importantly, the table. So we have here Yolanda, her cell phone records, and she's interested in finding the, the length of a typical phone call. So we're ready to actually perform an example of all these calculations. Um, typical, keyword typical. So I'm going to circle that right here, keyword typical. So when sometimes the author, sometimes the author doesn't blatantly tell you um, what to do. They just say, what's the typical? length of the phone call. So typical means mean, medium, mean, medium, <coughs> or mode. So we're going to first start off by looking for those things. Now, what I'm going to do is record the numbers just sort of horizontally. 
So one, two, three, seven, four, five, um, four, three, three, and then one, again, one, and then 48, of course I'm running out of room there, 48, and then six. So the first thing that our eye goes to is this 48. 48 might be a, yeah, possible outlier. Chances are it's an outlier, right? That's the first thing. But um, let's just think about language a little bit. So she, she obviously spent 48 minutes talking to someone, but <laughs> so she's looking at the minutes here. Um, typical length of a phone call, though. What if you had to, cal now we're going to just pretend here, but what if you had to calculate the mean by hand? What would you do? Add them all together, yes. then divide them by the number of agents. Very good. So we're just going to sort of theoretically set that up. So you're saying we would just take 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 7 plus 4 dot 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 all the way till you get to the last observation and add that up and divide by however many observations there are. How many are there? Yeah, 12, right? So yeah, so that's how you would calculate the mean if you were going to do that by hand. So we just want to kind of lay it out, you know, and, and think about the structure of it. Okay, so what we did was added up all those observations and divide by however many there are, and the sample mean is 7.25. Um, let's go ahead and think about, theoretically, how we would get the median if someone forced us to do it by hand, right? Um, what would you do? Rank them? Okay, go ahead. Rank them from smallest to largest, all the observations. Two ones. Yep, good. One, two. Good. Three threes. Good. Two fours. One five, one six, one seven. Good. One five. And one six, one seven. One six, is there a seven? Oh, yeah, there, and there's a seven. Oh, awesome. And five, exactly, and the last guy's 48. Yep. So the last, I'll, I'll squeeze, see if I can squeeze that in there. Eh, maybe not. Maybe I can stretch that a little bit. And the last observation, I'll just squeeze that in, is 48. Okay, so, oh, this pen is supposed to be. Okay, so we rank from smallest to largest. Now, there are, how many observations? 12. There's an even number of observations, but how are we going to locate that median? You said it was the observation in the middle. Right, okay, so you go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. And here you have one, two, three, four, five, six. You ha end up here. There's two observations in the middle, and exactly what you said. We're going to have to go halfway between three and four, which is three point six, three point six three. Uh oh. What's it? Yeah, just three point five. Yeah, halfway between three and four is, is three point five. Yeah. So yeah. So the median is just going to be three point five. If you're looking for some sort of mathematical calculation, you just take three plus four and, and divide by two. Okay. Um, okay, the mode is the observation that occurs the most, which is? Three. Three. All right. Now we're going to let the games begin. For this, I'll need a new sheet of paper. Okay, so we're going to start off with um, now looking at measures of dispersion. So we said earlier, if you have to calculate the range, it's just your high minus your low. That's the easiest of all your measures of dispersion. So we'll just take 48 minus 1, which of course is? 47. So you have a large range. Range means your range of values. It's just your high minus your low. Um, like, kind of like we said before, if all the values were the same, the range will be zero. The standard deviation would be zero as well. Um, now it's time to play with variance. 
Okay, now we know we're dealing with variance, but we said that we're dealing with... Yeah, we said that we're dealing with sample variance. So first thing you do, pretend this is a test, you write down the formula. Summation x minus x bar, whole thing squared, divided by little n minus 1. A lot of people say, why do you divide by the sample size minus 1? And your author gives a, a great explanation for it. What they say is that statisticians have found that um, if you only divided by n, you will constantly underestimate the true value of the population parameter. And so to account for underestimating, you, you deduct by one. There's a more formal math proof for that that you could Google, but what we're going to do is go in faith that the statisticians know what they were doing by dividing by n minus one. So, um, okay, so let's go ahead and start laying that out. So that means we have to take, now what did we say was the mean earlier? We said it was? 7.25. Okay, so I'm going to set this up for you. So we're going to have to take 1 minus 7.25, whole thing squared. Guess something. 1 minus 7.25, whole thing squared. Guess something. Obviously, it's a repeat. And then 2 minus 7.25, whole thing squared. See, I'm following the formula. Guess something. And you keep doing that, et cetera. Now, with 3, I don't, there's 3 observations, so I could just say 3 minus 7.25, whole thing squared. But there's 3 of those, so I times by 3. And then 4 minus 7.25, whole thing squared. But there's two of those, so I times by 2. Okay? And then hopefully you're catching what I'm doing. 5 minus 7.25, whole thing squared. There's only one of those. Okay? So if you do something repetitively, you start to catch it. 6 minus 7.25, whole thing squared. Is something. And 7 minus 7.25, whole thing squared is something. And last but not least, 48 minus 7.25, whole thing squared is something. Now all we have to do is get those somethings and add them up. Okay. So we're back to recording. Okay, so what we did was we found each observation minus the mean, squared it, and we got all of these deviations squared and we recorded them in red. Then we summed them up. And basically, the sum of all the deviations squared ended up being this number right here, the 1848.25. And then we divided that by 11. And guess what? After all that, what have you found? You found the, the variance. Remember, that was the formula for variance. So after all that, you found the variance. So your variance ends up being 168.02, right? About? Now, we had said, how do you get to standard D then once you have variance? Yeah, all you got to do is square root it. And if you do that, you should get about 12.96. Okay? So that means that standard D, now we'll use the, the, um, the notation, little s. How come little s? Mm, sample. Sample. Little s. Yep, so 12.96. Yep, so you should arrive at 12.96 for um, sample standard D. Okay, so we've pulled up the virtual TI. Just to remind you to get enter your data, you're going to hit stat. So I hit the stat button. See, edits the edit is right here, the first option. So you can just hit en enter. Enter. Okay, pulls up the list. Make sure L1 is clear. If it is not clear, highlight L1 and hit clear. Hit enter. Okay, and then just go ahead, and I did it in my handheld, but now I'm going to put it in there. So we can just enter those. So 1, 
one, two, three, three. I'm using the keypad, but obviously you're going to use your buttons. Okay. Um, Is it four. One Every time you enter, yeah, okay. yeah, you just hit enter. Four, and what's after that? Five, six, seven, forty-eight, right? Five, six, seven, forty-eight. And what's nice about the calculator is if you highlight, oops, I must have skipped one. Skip the four. Okay, four. Yeah, if that's what's nice about the calculator is if you highlight, you know, you know how many observations you have. Five, six. Oh, and exactly. Good. Thanks for catching me. Okay. There we go. So after you have all your observations in, this is the best menu, and we're going to use it from now till the end of the term. Um, you're going to go to Stat. You're going to slide over to Calculate with the arrow key. The first option here says One Variable Stats. You're just going to hit Enter, and you're just going to hit Enter again. And by default, it knows, this, look at that, X bar, it tells you everything. X bar is 7.25, we knew that, that's a sample mean. S, S is 12.96, that's what we just figured out by hand, it took forever. Tells us that at the touch of a button. It also tells us sigma, look at the sigma notation there, I'll stretch it so you can see it. Notice that S is 12.96, but sigma is 12.4. If I page down, and you want to record this. Keep paging down. You want to record that the min is 1. Obviously, we know the min is 1. The Q1 is 2.5. The median, we knew that as well, was 3.5. And so it tells you everything that we did the grueling way, including the quartiles, which we haven't talked about. And 5.5. And then max uh, is obviously 48. Okay, so that's what's known as your five-num summary. When it tells you this information right here, that's your five-number summary. Your min, your max, your Q1, Q2, and Q3. Your Q1 median, which is Q2, and Q3. Okay, so now we're going to attempt to create a box plot to see if there are any outliers in our data set. I'm just going to go back in the stat, the, the data set itself. We had said that we thought 48 was an outlier. Let's create a box plot and see what happens. So here's how you'll do that. Second stat plot. You're going to hit enter. You're going to highlight the word on by, by hitting enter. I'm hitting enter on my keyboard, but remember your enter button is down here, right? But highlight the word on. Use the arrow keys and see on my right arrow. I'm going to use my right arrow until I hit this one. This one is the one I want. This is called the modified box plot, which displays outliers. That's the one you want. Okay? So highlight that by hitting enter. Go down with my arrow key. Make sure that says where your my information's in L1, so I have to tell it that. So second L1. And remember, you may have even caught it from last class. What's the trick for viewing things? Zoom. Good. Zoom stat. So you hit zoom and you page all the way down until you see zoom stat. And hit enter. And poof, you got your box plot. Ignore the line, that's from my algebra class. Let me get those out of there. Those shouldn't be in there. I'll delete that or clear that. Okay, so 
so I'll hit graph again. That uh, had some algebra stuff in there. But now if you trace, so what it does is the box plot gives you, and if you hit trace and use your, hit the trace button and use your arrows, see how I'm moving the cursor to move along it? And it's telling me my median and my Q3, and now it's shifted 7 to be the highest observation, and it's tossed out that outlier and said, no, we're going to toss that one out, and most of the data is down here. Okay? That means that if I were to make a histogram of this, we would imagine it would be right skewed because the outliers are in the tail, in the right